You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, we got a new super cool party people only giveaway (laughs) for you. It's only for party people. (laughs) If you are not a party person, you just don't listen. Get out. (laughs) Yeah. A fun March giveaway for y'all because we just like to give stuff away. It's yeah. just like a fun little way to spice things up. It is. And March is just like a cool month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like Ides of March and uh, St. I don't know. Patrick's Day. I don't know why my brain went there. <laughs> I don't either. That was unique. <laughs> yeah. St. Patrick's Day is probably a more festive. <laughs> um, so for our March giveaway, we've got some cool stuff. We have a Art History Babes t-shirt in black. We classic. Classic, classic black. Classic black. Uh, we have a really cool book about some, it, it's uh, drawings by some Venetian masters. Tiepolo. Yeah. Ginny on the Italian over there. Mm-hmm. And then we've also got a Rauschenberg inspired mug, some white sage for... Mm. For witchy vibes, also just general good smells. Yeah. White sage, cone incense, not actual white sage. Yes, yeah, incense, incense vibes. And we got a Norman Rockwell puzzle. So really a, a wide array of, <laughs> of art-related goods. Feast. Yeah, definitely. For you. Definitely. It's a fun giveaway, I think. And to be entered to win, all you have to do is head over to our Patreon patreon.com slash art history babes and become a patron and help support the production of this podcast and other art history babes content every dollar that you pledge to the art history babes is an entry so one dollar a month that's one entry five dollars a month that's five entries and if you're wondering yourself hey i'm already a patron I'm screwed. I can't be a part of this super cool party people You're giveaway. Not You're not. All you got to do is up your pledge. If you up your pledge by a couple dollars, then you get a couple entries. So everyone has a chance to enter yes. however many times you would like. This is for the duration of March. So from March 1st to March 31st. Mm, that <laughs> feels right. Yeah, there's 30, 31 days of March. Um, sure. If you get on our Patreon from the 1st through the 31st, your entries will be counted. And mm-hmm. then at the beginning of April, we will pull a name out of a hat. It's going to be a good time. It is. From Art History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. And we are the Art History Babes. We have a very exciting baby episode for you today. That we do. Wanted to get this info out to you while it's hot. So we tried to consolidate it all. Bear with us. 
So if you missed it, the Obama's official presidential portraits for the Smithsonian National Portrait Gallery were unveiled this past Monday, February 12th, 2018. The paintings have rightfully garnered much attention this week, and we are so excited to cover it on this little baby episode. A little bit of background on the Obamas and the presidency. Barack Obama was the 44th president of the United States, and he and Michelle were the first African-American presidential couple. Barack was our commander-in-chief from 2008 to 2017. We miss you dearly. His campaign for presidency was engaged with the arts. Remember the Hope posters made by street artist Shepard Ferry? And he famously revamped the artwork in the White House to include contemporary works and works by African-American artists for the first time. That's what's up. Very what's up. (laughs) Very what's up. The most what's up. So even though he made that dig at art historians, he did believe in the importance of the arts. It was a a slip up. We'll we'll forgive you. So a little bit of history on the presidential portraits. The National Portrait Gallery was created by an act of Congress in 1962 and opened to the public in 1968. Over the years, the Smithsonian has collected portraits of past presidents from various institutions, although several portraits of first ladies are still missing from the collection. I think from my understanding, they're like trying to make portraits of first ladies that were never made. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know how that's going, but yeah. Viewing the entire collection of presidential portraits side by side is pretty much what you'd expect. A slew of white dudes looking serious, ready to take care of important presidential business. Uh, Some of the portraits, like that of George Washington, present the president among papers and books to emphasize the very important presidential business. Mm -hmm. Of the entire collection of portraits, only a few really stand out as particularly interesting, in my opinion. I've mentioned in previous episodes, I... I'm not crazy about portraits of just important white dudes. Um, well, there's there's many. Yeah. So it's there's hard enough. to get excited about a new one because right. they all just bleed together. Right. But within the collection, uh, JFK's portrait by our girl Elaine de Kooning is pretty dope. It's mm-hmm. painted in an Abex style. Uh, interestingly, this portrait is the only one prior to Obama's where we see a very vibrant use of color. JFK is painted among expressive green and yellow brush strokes. I found this very interesting because Obama has been compared to JFK. Mm -hmm. Like ever since his campaign, there were a lot of similarities, comparisons to, um, him just as a figure, not even necessarily as a president, but just the way he was able to rally the people yeah. and was very inspiring and he was young and handsome and mm-hmm. and has the perfect wife, like literally. Um, I love thinking of Michelle Obama as like Jackie 2.0. Yeah, yeah like Jackie 100,000. <laughs> like, point oh. Point oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Likewise, Bill Clinton's is pretty fun too because it was painted mm-hmm. by Chuck Close. So if you're familiar with Chuck Close's style, I must admit Bill Clinton's portrait kind of sticks out as like, a, all right, that's different mm-hmm. um, and kind of fits him. It's definitely in no way as powerful as uh, the Obama portraits, but it is just fun and kind of interesting. Yeah, well, we'll get into it. But the Obama portraits are powerful for reasons that no other president's portraits could have been powerful exactly. beforehand. So. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, but in general, um, a pretty just a sea of like uh, suits and beige and like kind of 
bookcases yeah. and fancy pens and white columns and all your traditional tropes of power. Exactly, exactly. So ordinarily, the unveiling of the official presidential portrait barely registers as a blip on anyone's radar, both politically and within the art world. It just doesn't garner much attention. However, this particular unveiling attracted a whole bunch of attention, flooding news feeds across every platform. This media frenzy was due to both the historical significance of the event as well as the stunning and unconventional portraits themselves. Also, I know personally that I just like miss the Obama so much that whenever they just like show up on my news feed or like in the news i am all over it like i freak out like Agreed. it's and and they're they're being so chill and like just doing their own thing that i just get so excited when they give us any of their time because like we don't deserve it we are not worthy and we know it <laughs> um but anyways these these portraits literally like my instagram feed like every other post was about these portraits so let's talk about them let's talk about the paintings let's do it so starting with michelle the former first lady's portrait features a demure-looking Michelle seated and looking directly at the viewer. Her gaze is stern and her expression stoic, matching the icy blue tones of the work. She turns her body and coyly rests her chin on the backside of her relaxed right hand. Her skin is painted in grisaille, meaning in grayscale or without color. Michelle's gown occupies half the canvas, stark white with sporadic colorful geometric shapes. The dress was designed by Michelle Smith for Millie, one of Obama's favorite designers. Such an amazing dress. It really is. It's so good. Yes. I was reading an article that comments on she, how she looks mountainous in the picture because mm. of the triangle shape that's created from her head down to her dress. And I was like, yes. Love it. And I love, too, that... That's traditionally she she's just a calm cool mountain right that woman traditionally i don't think women would have wanted to be betrayed to be portrayed mountain like but i have a feeling michelle obama would like embrace that oh, and be like definitely. oh yeah i am a mountain <laughs> yeah. damn right i am a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so the artist amy sherald is a 44 year old baltimore based artist whose pop art portraits depict african-american subjects atop pastel backgrounds her ability to capture her subject's humanity is striking and captures vulnerability and strength equally. Being commissioned by the National Portrait Gallery is but one of the many achievements listed on her artist statement. Painting her subject's skin in grisaille is Sherald's way to, quote, exclude the idea of color as race, end quote. In a New Yorker article, journalist Doreen St. Felix explains that applied to Michelle Obama, the lack of brown in the skin first feels like a loss and then like a real gain. I thought that was so well said. Yeah, I think so, too, because I know there has been a lot of controversy surrounding these paintings. Um, and I mean, in general, I think a lot of people are like us and super stoked on them. But there have been some critiques and a lot of people want to talk about the skin color. But when you when you take some time to stop and think exactly. about it. It is sending a very powerful message. And it's okay if your first reaction is to kind of long for something a little more traditional or more likened to reality. But I like the way that St. Felix explains it because it's saying how like at first that was her impression of like, oh, it's a loss. And then she thought about it and realized that it's not. It's okay to have first emotions about art but then you kind of resonate on it and you think about it and you can change your opinion exactly after you've maybe marinated on it or thought critically about it and people need to remember that it's okay if your first instinct was to not like it but then take a step back and realize why the artist would do that 
and maybe expand <laughs> your perspective yeah. a little bit. And also just from a personal perspective, I, I don't know, my emotional reaction was, I love this. Like it's I, perfect yeah. in every way. But, um, but I also think, yeah, it's important to remember that the Obamas picked these artists specifically, and that is Amy Sherald's style mm -hmm. and it's intentional mm -hmm. and it was chosen that way. Mm -hmm. And that matters mm -hmm. and should be respected perfectly said so i found this interesting because you know obviously washington dc the president and cheryl spent some time living in dc and on that time she said quote having the white house up the street during the obama administration was a constant reminder that this country we live in would not be as great as it is without people that look like me so I'm proud to be a part of the Smithsonian's mission of preserving our heritage, discovering knowledge, and sharing our resources with the world. The sole purpose of my work was to become part of art history and to be within these institutions that conserve and collect the artifacts of our artistic cultural history. End quote. Boom. Love it. Like, summed it up. I think she's the perfect artist. I think oh, she yeah. did an amazing job. It's such a beautiful portrait, and it's so it's in her style, but it... It at once embodies Michelle Obama and also shows her in a completely different way because it's in Cheryl's way. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like these two things exist at the same time. Exactly. And and I think that that's how, once again, going back to the fact that the Obamas chose these artists, like I think Michelle wanted to be seen mm -hmm. through Cheryl's vision. I think yeah. that, you know, it's this collaborative, beautiful effort yeah. that speaks to a much greater idea of what Michelle Obama represents to people, you know? Definitely. So Barack's portrait, mm -mm -mm. the portrait of Barack Obama was painted by Kehinde Wiley. Wiley's painting presents our 44th president poised on the edge of a craftsman-looking chair in front of a wall of bright green foliage. Within the wall of leaves are sporadic patches of vibrant tropical flowers of various color. African blue lilies represent Kenya, the birthplace of Barack's father. Jasmine represents Hawaii, where Barack was born, and the chrysanthemums are the official flower of Chicago, referencing the city where his political career began and where he met Michelle. Oh. So cute. Uh, the president looks serious but relaxed in his posture and expression. His face facial expression is contemplative but present. The work juxtaposes various themes, including the masculine and the feminine, power and humility, and tradition and modernity. Positioning a former U.S. president, which is a title that is often described as the most powerful man in the world, however you want to feel about that, um, against a backdrop of flowers subverts traditional concepts of masculinity and is certainly strikingly different from portraits of previous presidents in front of their important papers and their bookcases. Right. <laughs> I mean, just the visually, it's a very like in your face image in a very good way. But when you stop and think about it, just him being against a natural, a natural like and I wouldn't call it a landscape, but just like natural forms is yeah. strikingly different. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that hasn't been done yet. Mm -hmm. So both of these artists, Amy Sherald and Kehinde Wiley, are known for painting images of everyday people in ways that elevate them and give them representation that has not been seen throughout the history of art. And often they reference the history of art mm -hmm. in doing this in very smart ways. In this sense, the portraits of the Obamas were different from 
from their the typical subject matter explored by these artists because as cool as the Obamas are, they aren't necessarily everyday people, at least not anymore. You yeah. Know? Obama expressed his appreciation for this approach to art making. Kehinde lifted them up and gave them a platform and said they belong at the center of American life. That was something that moved me deeply. That's part of what I believe politics should be about, not simply celebrating the high and the mighty and expecting that the country unfolds from the top down down, but rather that it comes from the bottom up well said oh, oh God, this whole episode is giving me like perma goosebumps <laughs> yeah i wasn't as familiar with cheryl's work but i have seen more of wiley's and again stayed true to his style Definitely. and his message but when you were talking about JFK earlier, I thought it was really interesting because I found an article where they were talking about how Wiley and Obama sat down and kind of went through old portraits of presidents and tried to kind of come up with their own like body language and like interesting. Yeah, they wanted to maybe borrow ideas from other presidents and then at the end decided to scrap it all and just start from scratch mm-hmm. and build his own idea of what the portrait should be because that's what he's done with everything that he's done yeah. is Obama has not concerned himself with his predecessors so much. He's just been forward thinking. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they wanted to do and express in this portrait, which I thought was great, especially with the whole thing about the JFK thing, because I do think that you can find some parallels and even some parallels in how different their portraits don't look visually similar, but what they were doing and where they were coming from, I think are a lot in the same place. Exactly. What struck me is, so one, they're both visually definitely different from Mm -hmm. everyone else's kind of stepping, you know, outside of the norm. They both are, and this you know, definitely could be pure coincidence, but they both are dealing a lot in greens. Like mm-hmm. JFK is set against like these green colors. And I think that's interesting because I know like Elaine de Kooning talked a lot about almost like auras, like that kind of a concept. Um, and like seeing that as that as her expression of JFK's general vibe. And so once again, I'm just making my own connections here, but I'm like, I yeah. wonder if there's a similar association. Like, I wonder if something about green stuck out to Kehinde Wiley when he made this portrait. I wonder if that was on his mind when he was making this portrait of Barack Obama and if there's some kind of interesting color theory stuff going on there. That's it's, interesting. It's I... totally a random thought. I'm not like claiming that there's any like, you know, real precedent for that. But but there's enough there that I feel like I hope that you could speak with him one day and ask because I'm just curious now even if the answer was like no I'm sure if it if it's a hard no then there's a reason why he did choose it other than that and if not I'm sure it would be kind of like a huh well either way it's a a good color it's just very striking and it's unexpected and it Mm -hmm. works and yeah yeah and go look at some other presidential portraits and you'll see real quick what a diversion this was from previous choices of color scenery I mean nothing is really the same (laughs) nothing will ever be the same again nothing will ever be the same (laughs) so why does this matter why do we care about these portraits so much other than us caring because we care about the Obamas (laughs) I mean I feel like for us it's like a perfect storm like we Mm -hmm. care about 
the Obamas and we care about art. So it's just like for me that morning, like waking up to that being all over my newsfeed was just like a present from the universe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I was so excited. (laughs) So visually speaking, these portraits represent a clear shift in the national identity of the United States and notions of elitism. From a historical perspective, Barack and Michelle were the first African-American president and first lady. They deliberately chose African-American artists with a history of producing politically and socially engaged work charged with powerful ideas concerning race. Wiley and Sherald are the first African-American artists to be commissioned. That's in a 56-year period, mind you, by the National Portrait Gallery. We are aware, or should be aware, of our nation's violent and racist past. Some of the earliest presidents represented in the portrait gallery, such as George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, were slave owners. And I think that's made, I mean, if that's not powerful enough, it's made even more powerful by the fact that Michelle Obama's great-great-grandparents were slaves. Yeah. So, want to end this episode on basically what what Michelle had to say herself because she she posted a really moving post on Instagram Mm -hmm. and so I'll just repeat it as a young girl even in my wildest dreams I never could have imagined this moment nobody in my family has ever had a portrait there are no portraits of the Robinsons or the Shields from the south side of Chicago this is all a little bit overwhelming especially when I think about all of the young people who will visit the National Portrait Gallery and see this including so many young girls and young girls of color who don't often see their images displayed in beautiful and iconic ways. I am so proud to help make that kind of history. But the fact is that none of this would be possible with the extraordinary artist and woman behind this portrait, Amy Sherald. Thank you, Amy. It was a joy to work with you and get to know you. Perfect. Beautiful. So thanks for listening. I mean, we could talk so much more about all of this, but it's a perfect example of the big question that we're always dealing with, like why art matters Mm -hmm. and why representation matters Mm -hmm. and why all these things are related. And this is just like such a prime example of why the way we visually depict people is important Mm -hmm. and, um, and it has an effect and it matters. It really does. So, yeah. So thanks for listening. Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts on these super cool portraits and your feelings and all that good stuff and uh we'll catch you next time bye from The Art History Babes podcast is made possible by support from our lovely listeners via Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes to help keep the Art History Babes going and for access to bonus content. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.